Motor Mouths, Ditch and Bud on News Talk 98.9, The Roar of Memphis. Here we go. It's time to talk about cars. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. Yes, we are the Motor Mouths, and uh, welcome to another edition of the Motor Mouths here. Uh, we're going to spend the hour talking about cars. Thank you. And you you know what? You're probably either in a car right now. Maybe you're working on a car. Or you're thinking about a car. You're thinking about a car. <laughs> Come on. Let's think about how much time we spend. Or if you're, if you're on 240, you're yelling at a car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's the thing about self-driving cars. The old, uh, I think it was Jay Leno joke. Uh, if, if you got a self-driving car, who are you going to yell at? Who are you going <laughs> to flip the bird at? Certainly not the driver. So we're going to talk about cars for the next hour. We're going to uh, address some some comments, some questions from last week's Motor Mouths in this episode. Uh, we're also going to be talking about brakes. Everybody, you know, there's two things that you need in your car. You need the accelerator and you need the brake pedal. And today we're going and to some talk- people would argue a um, a manual shifter, but that's an argument well, for another day. That's true, and you do need <laughs> a steering wheel. But but for the purpose of going and stopping, you need. Uh, we're going to talk about one of the two things that are important, and that is the the stopping. Uh, of your car and brakes. Is it really easy to do your own brakes? Should you? And what happens when you do your brakes and something and something still sounds or seems, you know, like it's not fixed? We're going to talk about that uh, in our next segment because brakes are very important. Uh, but we want to first by start start out by saying, hey, reach out to us. Questions, comments, you want to add to it? There's a lot of different ways you get in touch with us. First thing is our Rick's Powder Coating text line at 901-683-0989. We're all over social media. You can find us on themotormouths.com. You can email us there. You can email me directly at budroar at gmail.com. And, uh, of course, I'm on Twitter at budmotormouth. And you can interact with me live every Monday, Thursday, Friday on twitch.tv slash thortyundead. And, of course, I share that link on my Twitter every week. Yeah, and you're, you've got a lot going on on that Twitch feed. Don't you on that Twitch stream? I mean, just, a lot of people are jumping on. Yeah, just just last night we were talking about uh, we were talking about that video of the woman in the van going into the into the harbor because the GPS told her to. Yeah, that's nuts. Uh, that that's one of those crazy. That is really strange. I don't. Let, let me ask you, Bud. Do you use GPS a lot? All the time now. Do you really? Yeah. I mean, if if I'm going somewhere I've never been, once I've driven somewhere once, I know how to get there. Yeah. I don't use it because I'm, I'm, call me paranoid if you want. I just don't like my location services on my phone at all being on. I just, my, I'm not, I'm not out doing things I shouldn't be doing. I just don't, I want Google to not track me as little as possible. And I know the cell phone companies ping you, you know, location. I, I consider myself so un, uh, unremarkable and insignificant that it's not important if they, if they know where I'm at. <laughs> well, that's a good way to look at it. So I don't, what I'll do is I'll, I'll pull up the address on Google Maps and then look at it, you know, I should just get an old Thomas guy. I thought you were going to say you're going to go to MapQuest and you print out the directions. No, no. <laughs> like we did in 1998. And I'll look at it and I'll say, okay, I go that way, that way, on that street there. Okay, good. And I just, and then I close it and I go yeah, well, I mean, that, that, That's fine. If, I mean, if you're local and you know and you know where you're going, but most of the time, if I don't if I don't know where I'm going, I just pull it up and then I, it goes on the little the little mount in my uh, dashboard and well, I'm good to go, out. man. Like that lady, you may end up in a lake, man. <laughs> In, in, in all fairness, I do know how to read a map. <laughs> and you do and you do know if there's a lake ahead, you probably won't drive yeah, into it. Yeah, you probably don't want to drive through the through the lake. That, 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 that's a Simpsons did it thing when he drove the Electorus into the water. Salt yeah. water seems to be good for it. <laughs> Simpsons were way ahead of their time. They are way every, ahead of their time. Every time. time they just, they, you know what it is, is they just made so much content that sooner or later they were going to predict something. But yeah. it, it does happen a bit often 
Uh, and it's it's a little creepy, but anyway, let's let's talk about some of the things we discussed last week as yes. follow ups. Uh, yeah, so we were we I got hit with the question, "What's your uh, uh, shout out to shout out to Outlaw uh, viewer on my Twitch stream asked me, you know, what what is your money is no object dream car?" And uh, the 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 spin I added to it is not only money is no object, but you can find one, and they're they're readily available. And uh, we were we were we were asking you out there, what is your money is no object dream car? What's the one car if you could get it, it wouldn't uh, you wouldn't have to worry about what it would cost to buy, maintain, and you could drive it every day? What would it be? And we got a couple of responses here. Uh, Todd says he always wanted a Grand National, which those are those they've got that V6 turbo, and they're like pretty pretty fast uh, accelerating, especially for their time. They would out, didn't they outperform the Corvette or something like that? They did. Uh, and you know what, man. Those, uh, those are really cool cars. Those are really the Grand National, uh, Buick Grand Nationals are uh, th- those are badass looking cars. And, and they and they did something that Buick didn't really do. Buick you always kind of associate with that's an old lady car, an old man car. You know the Buick I had was definitely an old lady car. I had an '83 Buick Lesabre that I bought for five hundred bucks, and it had it had the tiniest, daintiest little steering wheel with the 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 like most oversized power steering system so it was like it, it drove like a dream but it was definitely i was not the target demographic for driving that car you know and and i'll say you typically to to give you a perspective and kind of a picture in your mind of what the grand national looks like uh the grand national is a two-door uh i don't know that i've ever seen i don't think it's they even made four doors no no not it's got it. a huge trunk it's a buick now remember uh but it's a sporty buick and most of the times the places you see grand nationals now will be on a drag strip uh, oh, there, yeah. there, there was, and I've seen a few of these Grand Nationals with the cover headlights, the 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 door, the headlight doors, uh, but most of them, um, you know, th- that's uh, black. I think is probably a typical color of the I think they Grand all National. Were, yeah, maybe and then they there all was were. like there was like the GNX, which was like the juiced up version. But they they had the V6 Turbo, and they were they were really they were really quick. And uh, they built this. This was called the G body, or the G platform, just like that Buick Lesabre I had. It's the same kind of basic. Uh, that's the platform it's built on, but uh, much, much more exciting under the hood. Uh, we also had a response from Chad, says 1967 Corvette Stingway, Stingray Roadster uh, 427, which I, I can get behind that. Those are awesome. Those are the really long-nosed Corvettes with the big headlights. They had the huge, the huge fenders. They, had, they, they, were, they were all hood. Like they were, well, the hood was actually small, but they were all front end. What year did he ask for? He said a 67. 67, okay. Um, oh yeah, they had the yeah, big yeah. Point yeah. in the front, yeah. Those were those were gorgeous. Those are those are great years. And to raise up the the they they had the fenders, the yeah. quarter panel fenders that sort of rose up above the both the trunk and the uh, and the, uh, the 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 engine. Yeah, like I said, they're all they're all front end. They they, they look oh, yeah. great, and and they're I've ridden in one. They're they're a good time for sure. Uh, James says a 1957 Thunderbird red, which uh, I I can get behind that. That that was the one with that porthole window in the back. Uh, if it was the hard top, anyway, he didn't specify if he wanted a, a convertible. Right. Usually, those Thunderbirds, you kind of, I, you know, most of the time, you think of them as convertibles. But those hard top ones, they had that little, like, like uh, round porthole window in the back. I always remember those. There was actually one in a McDonald's under the Oak Brook Mall uh, in Chicago. Every year, they had this big car show in the Oak Brook Mall, and we go down into the McDonald's because they had a '57 Thunderbird sitting in there. At least I think it was a '57. I'm pretty sure it was. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Thunderbird. This was he wanted a fifty-seven. That's the first generation. They, that was 
They made the uh, the first generation of those Ford Thunderbirds. Most of them in in uh, red and or baby blue was the other real popular color. From you see pink ones all the time. Pink fifty five to fifty seven. Um, but you're right. Red's got to be the color if you're getting that. If you're getting that, especially with the porthole that 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 year of Thunderbird. Or the and baby look, blue, those. and I know the real, the convertible, the one that was really popular with that was the cream colored one. Yeah. Um, so which I'd take the blue or the red. I, I I would drive a pink one. I'm not ashamed. I think it'd be all right. That, but I, uh, that was that you was, get that for your girlfriend or something. That 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 generation of Ford Thunderbird was marketed as um, uh, what was the what was the it was the personal car of distinction. Yeah, they weren't fast. No, <laughs> but no, they, they weren't were, made for speed. They were they made were pretty. For, yeah, they, they they were made for all looks. Man. They had, they, they, I love they had the, the round headlights with the kind of uh, like like little little overhang over them. They look really good. Yeah, no, um, those are those are really sharp. A lot of chrome on those. And too. then uh, Phil said, "My dad always wanted a Packard. You just don't see them anymore." Because I was talking about how I would I would want a Packard like a thirty-two. Uh, you don't really see them anymore. I realize I haven't seen a lot of that era at car shows down here. Up in Chicago, you see one or two of the, that 30s era pop up at the, like some of the, the cruise-ins, but you got to go to like the specialty shows, like the classic car club Doesn't shows. Jay Leno have a really rare Packard? Probably. Or are they oh, all oh, yeah, rare? Yeah, no, I, you're, you're probably referring to, I've talked about his, uh, the Packard Twin 6. Yes. Uh, we had Alan on the show. He's got the other one. There's only two Packard Twin 6s in existence. I've been I've been fortunate enough to at least sit in, I didn't get to drive it, but I got to sit in the Packard Twin 6. Uh, yeah, Jay Leno's got that other one, but you know what's kind of funny is with Jay Leno, his collection is so big, you can kind of, you can kind of play like Mad Libs. Like, doesn't Jay Leno have a insert rare car uh, sitting yeah. in his garage somewhere? <laughs> so if you have a if you have a dream car, money's no object. I mean, sometimes it doesn't have to be necessarily money. Just as you said earlier, bud, the ability to find the car. Yeah, you- one one I want to add to my list is the uh, the GMC Typhoon. So this was the early '90s. They released typhoon. The, ty- the Typhoon and the Cyclone. They were it was a small SUV or one. the The truck was the Cyclone. It looked kind of like an S10, but they were all wheel drive with a turbo V6. And in I think it was '92, the Typhoon was the fastest accelerating car you could buy. And it, again, it was the all wheel drive with the with the V6 turbo, and it was super light. And, low uh, sitting. I mean, the, gra- the center of gravity for these things was pretty low, wasn't it? Compared to like the average, uh, like similar model, but yeah, and they were just they were they were kind of a sleeper because they were way faster than you would expect anything that faster looked like than that a to be. There was there was an old uh, Top Gear episode where he brought a cyclone to like a drag strip in England, and everyone was like wowed by it because there weren't a lot of pickup trucks running around in uh, the early '90s in the UK. But yeah, those things. I've I've been fortunate enough to drive a Typhoon. And it was funny because I, I put it to the floor and it it flew. And then I parked it and realized the tires were like 20 years old. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> they made the Typhoon for one year, GMC did, from 92 to 93. Uh, it was based on the 1991 GMC Cyclone. And you're thinking to yourself, or I am anyway, wh- who needs a high-performance SUV? Because really, that's essentially what it was. It fast. I can tell you who does, man. Rick Taylor. He just bought that new Escalade we were talking yeah. about. The the, uh, the V series is like 690 horsepower wow. and something like that's got a 6.2 supercharged V8, and it, it's it's insane. So there you go. What about you? Do you have a, a car that is your dream car? Money's no object. But in this case, money doesn't have to be an object. I'm yeah. just thinking about how many Typhoons are available out there after being in production. Yeah, not many. Last, last one I saw sold for, I think, like 40 grand. Our Rick's Powder Coating text line, if you want to get in on 
this conversation, your dream car. Money is no object. 901-683-0989. A message from a conversation that we had last week, a follow-up. I talked about my time at the junkyard and some of the stuff that you find in cars or trucks at the junkyard. A lot of times, it's either repossessions, they're abandoned, they get towed and taken to the junkyard and whatever's in the car is typically left in the car. I mean, you, you'll find all kinds of stuff. I've found uh, cards, wallets, phones, diaries, all kinds. It's just amazing. The stories that some of these cars <laughs> come with. And we're talking about that last week. And uh, we had an anonymous message on our text line. It says, I'm a officer and we inventory stolen vehicles that we recover before they are towed and taken to the impound lot, which... And we know the impound lot stories. Good luck even getting it back after that one. Uh, but he says, one time we found nude photos in the uh, car's glove box of either a wife or girlfriend. This goes. So, so what do you what do you do with those? Just destroy them or what? Like, what's the? Well, uh, that, that seems to be the ethical thing to do. But well, now here's the thing: if the car was stolen, you got to leave them in there because if the owner oh for the owner yeah the I owner's suppose. like hey you got my pictures <laughs> yeah but do you, do, you, do you do you just leave them in the car you yeah know? or do you do you put, put them, them in, in an envelope, envelope and say something? here we found these in the glove box so it it goes to what should you leave in your car and in this in this world we're in right now I guess the answer is nothing nothing I mean absolutely nothing not even a few pennies in the you know, used what, to be ashtray what I stopped doing is I stopped leaving tools in my car I used to always have a little tool I've got one little um there's a really good toolkit you can get from Harbor Freight. It's like 40 bucks and it's got a lot of basic tools in it. Box wrenches and uh, it's a ratchet set. That's about the only thing that I'll leave in my car because if that if that gets stolen with my car it's okay it's a $40 tool set you know but it's good to have it's good to have an emergency tool set in your car but I took the compressor out of there like my my I had a good craftsman set. I don't leave that in the car anymore. I don't either. I don't leave anything. My I, good jack. Yep. Had a gear wrench. Had a jack. I took my entire toolbox out of my truck and that's not because I was worried about it was going to get stolen. I was worried about the thing was going to die on me and it was going to get left on the side of the road and someone was going <laughs> to pillage my toolbox. But anyway, so what do you leave in your car? You know, MPD says if you're going downtown for the uh, concerts this weekend, the Beale Street Music Festival, park in a well-lit parking lot and don't leave anything in your car. Now, obviously, common sense is going to say park in a well-lit parking lot because I, I want myself to be safe. But that also, at this point in time, with break-ins, they don't care if it's lit or not lit. Actually, right. if it's a well-lit parking lot, maybe they can look inside and see. Uh, they have an easier time of identifying if you have anything that they want to see. And steal. they're going to be in and out of there so fast. Like yeah. you can, you can, you can pillage a car in what thirty seconds. Yeah. And so it's it's interesting to hear people's stories about what they're now doing and how they're modifying their habits of normally locking cars. I got a buddy who lives in Midtown who uh, said, "You know what? I finally decided to do." He goes, "I roll my window down. I got a, a piece of plastic that I just put up over the window, so it looks like it's been broken into, so that the thieves are like, oh, that one's already been pillaged. Move on.' Next, I guess we can classify that as camouflage. Yeah, that's 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 a good that's a good way to put that. Other people are just now leaving their cars unlocked and nothing in them so they don't so your glass doesn't get broken because right. we have stories now of the rental car industry is booming and people are having a hard time finding a rental car also broken glass the glass industry is booming right oh, yeah last time we talked about it the chargers were still back ordered on all the all the windows for them especially that little window in the very back that that very that, that where you can fit your hand through it they always break that one so they they can unlock the car or the and because it's also the least uh noticeable when they're driving off with it so what do you leave in your car and the answer again is nothing do you leave it unlocked i've even seen the stories online of people they put a sign in their car that says there's nothing in here <laughs> 
Please I mean, don't break my window. Right. People, people are getting that, you know, uh, I guess desperate, if that's a word. But if you are going downtown, and really it's anywhere at this point, because let's face it, there's break-ins everywhere now. Movie theaters, restaurants, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what time of day. Uh, the, the answer it's all, is... It's always going to happen when you think it's not going to, right? You yeah. think, oh, you know, it's the middle of the day. It's not yeah. going to happen oh, I'm here. Gonna, I'm in a busy shopping center. No way is it going to happen. And look, you walk out, and there it is. Glasses all over the all over the parking lot. So maybe the answer for you is leave it unlocked with nothing in it. Because if there's nothing to steal, there's no, re- no, need, no need to lock it, right? Right. So if you have uh, a suggestion or you have a way that you've tried to thwart the thieves from your car 901-683-0989 let's talk about it with uh let's talk about the car repair business we talked about the glass business and how booming it is right now and how long people have to wait i want to i want to bring into uh, the motor mouse here for a minute our good friend tim van horn host of buy seller stay who's getting ready for a, a show following the motor mouse here this morning who's had to deal with car repairs, Tim. Yeah, that's part of real estate too. You got to be able to get out to show some houses, and it's been it's been a saga. I think that'd be a fair word. You have You've a hybrid following. car, right? I do. I have a 2021 uh, Hyundai Sonata hybrid. How do you like it? Generally speaking, I've been getting about 50 miles to the gallon, and it it doesn't feel like it's a hybrid vehicle. It rides like any other vehicle. It's very comfortable. All the bells and whistles. It's, it's been good. But there's been one problem. Yes. And that's car repair. Now, now, what happened? You started to see black smoke, white smoke. What kind of saw white smoke and a a a very rapid loss of uh, antifreeze in my vehicle. And what's that usually a sign of? Head gasket. Oh, head gasket blown. Yeah. Yeah. And if, that, in any in any regular car, once they start talking hybrids, I start it's to completely. Different. I don't want, I don't want to speculate too yeah, hard. Yeah. Yeah. Or a hairline fracture somewhere in the block, or what? what so right. what was it? Well, come to find out. And, and this took a while to determine. It had been in the shop for over three and a half weeks before they even touched it. Wow. And that is because of the, the shortage of not just technicians to work in auto shops, but hybrid certified technicians right. that can touch it. So that's been a big issue. Uh, come to find out, it is the exhaust heat recovery system that had a problem. Now, it is under manufacturer's warranty. So that's... That's a good thing. So it's not going to cost you anything. Your rental car, right. it's just costing the, you the fact that you've been without your car for a month. Right. My understanding, it, looking at the warranty, is that I will be reimbursed for my rental car. Tim is a perfect example of all everything's come full circle. Uh, not enough mechanics certified in this in this area. Sh- uh, supply chain shortage, right? Correct. Yep. Because they didn't have the part. Right. They didn't have the part right away, so they had to put out uh, in in their intranet an all-points bulletin for this particular part. They found one on the other side of the country. It got here uh, this week. They did a test drive of it after the reinstall. They goosed it on Interstate 40 to because that's when I was really seeing a pronounced smoke out of the the exhaust system. The high RPMs. Right, right. So no issues with that. So I will be picking it up shortly. And then, but then yeah. the other then the other aspect of your whole adventure is the rental car industry is booming so much. You had a hard time finding, you had to go to Mississippi to get a rental car. I had to get a rental car for at least half of my time in Mississippi. I took it back thinking, okay, maybe they're finally going to get this diagnosed. They didn't. So I had to go re-rent a car, which was another problem in and of itself. But come to find out. And it's a new, it's something new I'd never heard of, the exhaust heat recovery system. Right. That's something I've not dealt with. That's a hybrid, that's a hybrid system. I got to do some digging to, to see what that, what that's all about. My understanding is it takes some of the waste heat from the system and then just plows it back into either mechanical energy or electrical energy with the batteries. That's 
bizarre. I because usually, usually you're trying to cool the batteries. Yeah. You know, yeah. because even even the Ford F one fifty Lightning has a cooling system. Uh, so I, I I'm I'm interested. If you got some paperwork, I can look at. Uh, I want. I'd love to go over it. I will uh, I will bring you some copies of that once I get everything uh, reimbursed back I yeah. will be so I'll be more dri- than happy to share. You're driving it again now, right? You got it back. Everything's fine. You're well, about to, huh? I'm about to go get it's it. Ready to oh, go? Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you guys will wrap this up, Ditch is going to give me a ride. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. But I wanted to have you just share your story because I know there's a lot of people out there. I hear stories all the time. It's like I want to take it to a shop, but nobody can get to it for a month. And Tim, you you have to deal with that. Yeah, and the the guys over at this dealership have actually been pretty decent at communication, which it's already frustrating. And, and and for anybody that's listening out there that's a tech mechanic, communication goes a long way, especially with delays. Uh, it, it sucks to be in the position of being without a car or not being in the know. So oh, just yeah, a that little was, bit of communication that was goes my, a long way. That was my policy back when I was a service writer. Is As soon as there was something that was going to delay it, I would call immediately because you don't want to tell them at the last minute. And I used to get into it with uh, one of my one of my coworkers because he would say, like, well, don't call him yet. Let's see what's going on. I'm like, what's going on is the guy just told us we're not getting the part till tomorrow. I'm calling the customer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Coming up, we're going to talk about your brakes and when it makes those noises, even after you've replaced your brakes, what to do. And how much is Ford really spending for every EV they manufacture? This is going to blow you away. It's on the way. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. And we are the Motor Mouse. More exciting than a 97 Dodge Caravan on the way to soccer practice. The Motor Mouths, Ditch and Bud on News Talk 98.9. Yeah, here we are. We're going to talk more about cars because that's what we do. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. And we are the Motor Mouths. We encourage you to reach out and get in touch with us. 901-683-0989 is the Rick's Powder Coating text line. You want to get a comment on the board or a question? Car related? Your dream car and money is no object? We continue that. Carry that over from last week. A lot of response. Uh, And also, if you have other questions, comments, complaints, or however Bud puts it. Issues, drives, complaints, concerns. Oh, there you go. There's plenty of other ways you can reach out. Uh, We got themotormouths.com. You can email us there. You can email me directly at budroar at gmail.com. And of course, I'm on Twitter at budmotormouth. I'm on Twitter at I am Ditch. Oh, and hey, quick shout out to Syncratic, who produces all the music we use now on the Motor Mouths, S-Y-N-C-R-A-T-I-C. Send them a follow, hit them up on Spotify, make some good stuff. So, uh, we talk about things you should leave in your car in this previous segment and for fear that, you know, that it's going to get broken into. Ways to try to alleviate that by leaving nothing in your car and maybe even leaving it unlocked. Then you got the threat of your car actually getting stolen. Is Which happens that, all too often, and that impound lot's filling up. Yep. Now, things have slowed down a bit in the Kia and Hyundai car theft stuff because Kia and Hyundai have finally offered a free patch for their software that will, uh, you know, an update for their software, rather, and uh, has slowed that down because of, uh, you know, the Kia boys, which happened two years ago on TikTok, where they showed how easy it was to steal a car with a USB cord. Uh, that slowed down, but they're still, it's still a big business, that's for sure. And I, I thought, Bud, this would be a good time to bring up a story of, I think, a relatively famous car. Uh, it's a 1964 Chevelle Malibu. And I'm talking specifically about the one from the Pulp Fiction movie. John Travolta drove and the this. One that, the one that got keyed. That got keyed. And we'd love to play the clip from that, but uh, this is radio and there's laws. It'll just be a series of beeps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but this classic Chevelle, 
that John Travolta drove in Pulp Fiction. This is interesting. The director purchased the car from a friend back in 89 after selling the script for True Romance, another movie that he kept in, and he kept this car in storage, never drove it. Um, and this was, again, it caught the eye of Quentin Tarantino, who said he just had to own it, so he purchased it. it the car ended up in Pulp Fiction, and the scene that we're talking about, and John Travolta's driving off in the car, uh, and he's in the got uh, Uma Thurman uh, yeah. overdosing in it. She's yeah, right. It's, it was about to say there was an overdose involved, and you know he was he, quickly. Was it the cleaner that they were going to the, the fixer? No, no. That's that's the that's later. That's later. Okay, that was a different car. Um, the one that got crushed. But what's interesting is this: the story of the '64 Chevelle Malibu was stolen off the set, off the movie set. A brazen crime can can you know, considered uh, that they had security present on the lot the movie lot but the uh 64 chevelle well documented of course uh, and records kept on this thing but it was stolen right off the movie set which lends me to wonder was if it was an inside job yeah, i was just gonna say ditch i'll bet it wasn't them hot wiring it and tearing off off to the highway and and, and taking off with it it was probably just some guy smiled at the security guard and said hey bill bill told me that quentin said to go get this thing washed and they just kind of nodded and opened up the gate so <laughs> So it was located years later, so they thought, and they, the conclusion was that it was chopped up and sold in parts. Uh, but here's the deal. In 2013, news came out that the famous Chevelle Malibu from Pulp Fiction had been found after it had been missing for 19 years. Initial reports detailed the car was located in San Bernardino County. It's Southern California, even further southeast uh, of California. In, in a town called Victorville, California. Two men were reported stripping it, and the deputy ran the VIN number and found that it was registered to, uh, it was registered to a different vehicle, uh, the VIN number, in Oakland, California. And so the reports were really conflicting. They didn't know where the car was or who it belonged to. Finally been found stolen out, like three times by then? Yes, exactly. An investigation found that the VIN on the dash was cloned matching the car that was registered, uh, a car registered in Oakland, California. That's when they decided to look at uh, uh, the other cars, the Chevelle Malibus, and found that this actually indeed was Quentin Tarantino's uh, 64 Chevy Malibu that had been stolen. They just cloned a VIN number from another car. Uh, and was it <laughs> That's the big question. So the mystery of the 19 years, where was it and what happened? Police were unable to determine the man who had the car and said he wasn't involved in the theft. Unfortunately, he was in possession of stolen goods. And so he, he lost the car. They did not, uh, I guess he was not uh, charged with any crime. But the only thing that had been changed apparently in this car was the upholstery had been redone. It looked like numerous times. So interesting story. Did they, did they cover it with uh, bedspread? I yeah I I don't. <laughs> that's not that's not entirely accurate because that was the other car in the movie but I had to but I will say the the owner at this when they did finally find the uh, Pulp Fiction sixty four Malibu they did say that it was in really bad shape nah, that's unfortunate so there you go there's the story nineteen years after it was stolen from the movie set of Pulp Fiction the sixty four Chevelle Malibu. All right, so Ditch, I got to show you this guy I found on TikTok. So this is this is you know I I find myself scrolling on TikTok more and more, and TikTok likes to feed you what you like to watch. The Chinese it's, are in your brain. Yeah, yeah, they, it's got a really good algorithm for that. Well, I came across this video that this guy has. He has one like shtick, and it's hilarious. So um, 
I don't even think he speaks English. He just says one word during each video. But he's he's got this uh, this BMW, and and this is what BMW. What you hear. So he's shaking all the plastic parts. BMW. So he's going around the exterior of the car. Both interior, exterior. BMW. And he's he's rattling all the plastic BMW. parts. He's pulling the door panels off it. He's just kind of. He's shaking the headlights, the taillights. Wow. BMW. He's under the is hood. Is this guy like anti-BMW or, or is he, this, he's just trying to you prove a point? You draw your own conclusions. He just goes, BMW. Like, and, and then, then he's, he's just grabbing the headlights and showing you how easy it is to like shake them and how, how quick the little plastic parts and break. And the point of it is, those cars, not, not I wouldn't just say BMW today, they're they're. Oh, he does other brands. They're <laughs> assembled with plastic rivets in a lot of yeah, a lot they, of areas. They I'm went not, from their, you know, I've talked about BMW in the past where, you know, back in, there, there's there's definitely something to be said for like the, the 80s, 90s era of BMW, early 2000s. That was like their golden era, and they made incredible cars. And they were very well engineered and well manufactured, but they really started to transition into using cheap plastic, and they're still charging BMW prices for not BMW quality, what what was traditionally BMW quality. But uh, I came across this video and I was just cracking up because this is this is what we've we've talked about this before with these with these cars. And you know, he's just he's he's uh, easily like easily breaking some of these parts, you know. And and granted you're not supposed to be this rough with them, but he's just showing that it's not it's not like high quality manufacturing and engineering anymore. And you know, some may argue BMW uh, cheapened their uh, assembly when they moved to America, when when they opened up plants in America, uh, and assembly plants in America. I'm not going to blame America for I it. I won't either. <laughs> I won't either. They're still, uh, I don't think they're designed here. But yeah, no. So this is Alik Ta, A L I K T A. That's his. Uh, that's his name on TikTok, and he does this with a with a bunch of brands. That's what I'm doing at the Volkswagen too, and uh, like he was ripping the <laughs> he was ripping the grill off of them things. You know, in the '90s, BMW was really popular with. Uh, their their street racing series. I mean the the well the, those inline the, sixes they the, made and those twin turbo motors were awesome. The M threes, yeah, stuff, the M threes, the three twenty SIs. I mean they 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 were they were badass cars back then. Now we're looking at you know EVs and uh, the EV division of BMW. Like all manufacturers, is you know you're not going to get one for under sixty grand, dude. Yeah, I mean it's just that's just the way it is. I saw that they had that IX, I yeah. think it is, and th that thing that thing's all right. I don't know. I didn't get a chance to take it for a spin, but uh, um, I'm, it's probably it probably costs way more than it's worth if we, I had to guess. And and I'm pretty amazed. I think we set a record, bud. We've we've gone this far within the motor miles today without not talking about EVs. But since you, I brought you it can't, up, you just can't avoid it now. If you're going to talk cars, man, you can't avoid the conversation. Um, it's been re reported that Ford has lost tens of thousands of dollars uh, per. EV sold in the first quarter of this year up to Ouch. 60 grand for every EV sold. That's a loss to Ford. Ford is losing roughly $60,000 for every EV sold in the first quarter of this year. Ford's electric vehicle division separated from its traditional combustion engine division and departments in March. They had to reorganize the company, lost $722 million in the first three months of this year while selling in the first quarter of this year, Ford sold 12,000 EVs. That's uh, it? That's it. I would have thought more. According to the company's first quarter earnings report, the amount is roughly lost per car, per EV, to Ford in the first quarter, $60,167. 
That's according if you to want to talk about unsustainability. Yeah. I mean, geez, that's how long before they're how long before they're gonna have to get bailed out? I mean, that's the one American company that hasn't been, right? Yeah. I mean, unless that, you want to count Tesla. Tesla's still pretty young. So but. and um, I'm glad you brought up Tesla because Ford has dropped their price of the Mach E uh, by almost four thousand dollars to try to compete with who? Tesla. Tesla. Because they're, they're they're still slaying in the market. Yep. I don't know how much. I don't know how much their their sales have been hurt by uh, Elon Musk's profile all over Twitter, but the, people are still buying them. And the Cybertruck, we're still waiting for that thing. Like when's the, like, it keeps getting pushed back. But. Yeah. So Ford has re- reported that uh, Model E seven hundred million dollars in revenue in the first quarter represented a twenty seven percent decline, uh, while total losses were more than uh, twice they were this year that they were last year, and they've cut the price of that Mach E by thirty seven fifty. To bring its sticker price, the very base model of the Mach E EV is forty three thousand dollars, and uh, Ford has said, you know, this we, we have waged price war with Tesla, and the staggering number of people who don't want the Mach E because they're like they've ruined the Mustang. <laughs> ruined me, me personally, the Mustang. I, 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 per- I don't I don't really care because I mean I'm not I wasn't a big Mustang fan to begin with, and it's their name. They can do what they want with it, but I don't want one because they're. They're hideous. <laughs> and, so, and, and uh, although I like that hearse that I saw, I still bring that one up. I saw that hearse they made out of it. That looked cool, but there's no reason to call it a Mustang. No, no, not. Uh, and here's the thing, bud. You brought up, you know, uh, corporate sustainability at this kind of loss at this rate, uh, losing sixty thousand for every EV sold. That that puts all of it in the marketing costs, the manufacturing costs, everything, labor costs to go into making one EV. That means they're going to have to make it all up in repairs. Because the auto industry is very capital intensive and high fixed costs that need to be spread out over thousands of units, it is uncommon to have steep losses initially, which are followed by profits. This is according to uh, economist E.J. Antony, who told the Daily Caller News Foundation, for instance, he said, needing to retool a factory and rebuild an assembly line to build different vehicles, which is what they have to do, or as we're learning here at Blue Oval City, build a whole new factory. That is much more expensive, and the revenue from the first line that are uh, produced is very low, and in this case, Ford is re- is realizing huge losses. Youch. Now, Ford has said that uh, in the coming year, they expect that to turn around. They say it's totally realistic that our aggressive cost-cutting moves and reorganization of the country, uh, company separating the EV division from the gas uh, engine division will help the company and they expect uh they are, they're forecasting bud a 9 to 11 billion dollar profit in 2024. I mean we'll see. So uh, brace for impact. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I imagine they want to stay optimistic, but I guess I guess we'll see. I think I think a lot of the people who were very excited about electric cars have started buying them and I don't know how many people are changing their minds on a regular basis cuz you still got a whole group of people. I know a bunch of our listeners said Large. I'll never buy never Large. buy an EV. It's yeah. not going to happen. I'll just end with this. This economist says the decision for auto manufacturers to go all in on electric vehicles is a tremendous risk and requiring ongoing support from government subsidies yeah, to maintain. There it is. So, so we're all going to be paying for there it. There it is. And, and we're going to have less, I, I, lower, I wouldn't say lower quality cars, but just cars that don't suit our needs as much. And fewer options. The market. And, and like I said, like I've said all the time, just let, let us have them, give us some EVs, but just don't don't force it on us. Don't make us replace let us our decide. gas cars. Let, let me, let me buy one yeah. of each. Yeah. Let me. I, I want one of each in my driveway. I really do. Like, I, do, I wouldn't mind 
having an electric car. I just, like I said, like I've said, Ditch, there's, there's still people that hear that wrong. I say, I want to buy an electric car. And they, well, why would you want to get, why would you stop driving gas cars? And, and they, they, that's, they, there's this like weird uh, 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 concept that if you buy, if you want to buy an electric car, you don't, you don't believe in gas. Like it's, 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 it's yeah. left or right. You know, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, white, oh, it's they've black converted and white. you, bud. Yeah. But it's, it's like, no, I, I want, I want more car. I want all the cars, want, <laughs> you know, I, but, uh, but again, it all boils down to make a product if the consumers like it and we want to adapt to that lifestyle let us choose don't force us yeah we always we uh we, we always say you know when 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 henry ford started selling model t's they didn't outlaw horses that's right that's a very good point so uh there's your ev news for the week so and so uh, you know on the ev stuff bud i got a question for you i've been thinking about you spend a lot of time online like in marketplace bring your own trailer a lot of those sites are you seeing evs pop up in those not really we we do some like like sometimes on uh, on monday nights on my twitch stream we do some window shopping yeah. and just kind of just kind of look over you know what's what's available what's for sale cars i can't afford and all that but no you really don't see a whole lot of of evs on the on the resale market just yet i think a lot of them people just sell them when the battery dies because yeah. it's not worth replacing the battery but no i almost i almost bought a 350z this week yeah see um, i was about to say that's dangerous for you to be on those places because you'll see a car and you'll suddenly say hey i want to i want to buy this car i could afford that <laughs> yeah well um i've decided i gotta sell i gotta sell that grand cherokee and get me a 350z and i think i gotta go the other direction where i sell grand cherokee first and then buy the 350Z, yeah. I was like, okay, I'll buy this 350, and then I'll sell the Jeep, and then that's how you end up with too many cars. But, uh, no, I, uh, I I came across this one. It had uh, the, the only real, like, sketchiness about it was it has a rebuilt title. It had apparently been rear-ended. It looked fine. He didn't have any pictures of the undercarriage, but um, it, it was apparently a previous owner. The guy who owns it says he put 5,000 miles. Again, you got to take it at face value. You're looking at Facebook Marketplace. People can say what they want, but the guy, you know, some sometimes you can look at these ads and kind of kind of gauge how um, how much the guy's lying to you, you know, by, <laughs> just by how much information they're offering right. up and all that. And the other thing about it was it said it was having there's these 350Zs, uh, the one I want has to be stick shift because if I want to take it drifting, it, it's got to be stick. And the these have a, a synchro uh, synchronizer issue that's very common in them, and it usually results in having to take the transmission out. But I'm expecting if I'm going to spend less than ten grand on a 350Z, especially with more than 100,000 miles, I'm planning to pull the transmission, pull the motor, and probably do a rebuild on both. And the just... For reference, a 350Z is a Nissan car. It's, you know, Nissan yeah, took over a Datsun, the, the Datsun the, 240Z. They, they they made them, the, the 350Z was made from 2003 to 2009, 2008, nine. I think yeah, eight or nine. Six or seven years. It yeah, was, and was, there, there's plenty of them. And it's, it's, it's a very great entry-level drifting car because there were plenty of them. There's a lot of aftermarket kits you can buy, and you can pretty much drift them uh, stock. Like, you don't have to slap a turbo. I mean, I'm going to slap a turbo on there, but you don't. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> have to and uh there so and and if you get yourself a good a good example with the stick shift uh they make for i'm you know i'm trying to get into drifting because it, it's, it's a lot of fun i want to drive cars sideways and um i i almost bought this one but the guy just never got back to me and um the the i was looking into what you got to do to register a because uh, i still have to i still have to i don't have to register the vehicle but i still have to transfer the title and that i guess gets to be a bit of a headache um you know we were talking about how you walk into the shelby county clerk's office with anything other than renewing your tags or just yeah. a simple title transfer you're good it's going to be a bit of a headache so i was a little worried about that with the rebuilt title so i was i so, just kind of i, I kind of let the, the fomo wear off and pump the brakes a little bit did you say rebuilt is different than salvage so uh, a rebuilt title is if there was like frame damage and then
then someone did repairs to it, and then you get a state inspection that says, okay, this vehicle is safe okay. to drive again. But you also, insurance companies, some insurance companies won't insure a rebuilt title or they'll charge you through the nose to insure them. But again, if I'm not really worried about that because I'm probably not going to register if, if I buy one of these 350Zs. Now, if I get a nice example, I wouldn't mind driving it on the road for a while, get used to it, get comfortable with being behind the wheel of the car before I take the tags off it, strip the interior, put a roll cage in it, lower it, and start drifting it. Uh, what year was this one again? Uh, an 03. So an 03. Early model. So when you start looking up 03s, the 2003 to the 2005 350Zs, based on some of the gearheads online, those were, those were the best years to have that car. Right. Um, uh, and more reliable, better performing. A VQ engine is what it's called. Right. In those things. Yeah. So, yeah. V6. And, uh, and it's rear wheel drive, which you have to have rear wheel drive if you're going to. That's why there's so few cars that you can actually go drifting with because it, it, it's a very strict set of parameters rear wheel drive, stick shift. Um, light enough, that whole thing. Uh, although I have been looking at Mustangs. Apparently, Mustangs, it's pretty easy to 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 take those drifting because you know you got a V8 rear wheel drive, lots of stick shift examples. Uh, now let me ask you this though: You're if, how serious are you about this 350Z? I, I mean, want one. You, you, if anyone's got one out there, call me or send me a text. <laughs> and Bud's willing to talk even before he sells the Jeep. Uh, but the 2003 faulty crankshaft position sensor. Uh, that was the year that there was a. Uh, a common problem. I don't get it with Nissans, man. They love those bad crankshaft position sensors. Yeah. It, uh, I don't know what it is with the 2003 Nissan 350Z that but, Adam, but... Uh, I'm going to be pulling the motor anyway and changing a lot of that stuff. That's part of... That's part. Of, I'm baking that into the plans after I buy one. I got you. So that's just going to be... That's going to be on the menu anyway. And this... And I keep referring to this one that you looked at because you... I remember earlier this week, Bud came up to me and says, hey, I got a problem. And he was deadpan serious. So I thought, oh, no, what's up, man? I got a real problem, and he pulls up a picture on this phone, and it's this—it's this, it's this, <laughs> it's this 350Z. I says, "Oh yeah, bud, you do have a problem." Was it like a wine-colored car? Oh, it was like uh, what do they call it? It's—it's—it's uh, uh, it's, it's a red—it's a red. brick, brick brick store red or yeah, something like that. It's a really pretty car, man. I mean, uh, and and I have a neighbor who has a fire engine red 350Z. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. I almost never see that car leave this dude's driveway or his carport. So I don't know when he drives yeah, they're, they're it. They're gorgeous cars. They're, they're, they're really nice. I've come around on those. But anyway, Ditch, we're, we're uh, getting towards the end of the show here. I at least wanted to bring up this text I got from Brett. And uh, he said, uh, the brakes on his Mazda 6 were squeaking. Uh, so I changed all four pads. I don't know if he means the four in the front or all four wheels, but I assume okay. he means all four wheels. Yeah. Um, they seemed like they had quite a bit of life left on them, and my brakes are still squeaking. Any ideas? And I had a bit of a back and forth with Brett, and I asked him, did you change the rotors? And uh, he said he didn't. And that was kind of, the, the to me, the first indicator. That's why they're still squeaking. And this brings me to, you know, we, I've, I've talked about it in the past. Um, if you're going to do your own brakes, just do the rotors. Nine times out of ten, you're better off just doing the rotors with the pads. Yes, it's more expensive. It's going to add to the cost of your brake job, but you're not going to be doing your brakes in another, you know, year or so. Be do you replace the whole set, caliper and everything, or just rotor I, and No, pads? you don't have to do the calipers. Okay. If the calipers are still good, you're fine. But um, the, the the three main things you want to look at are you got your pads, obviously, you've got the rotors, and you've got the hardware kit. The hardware kit is the little springs uh, that that the um, or the little metal plates, depending on how it's designed. It's what the uh, the pads kind of ride on, and you want to make sure you grease them. You know, it's kind of funny. You go to buy the pads, and they, they, they try to sell you on the little packet of grease. on and the you're like, oh, on you're the, trying to upsell me. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you're trying to just get that little extra sale in their auto zone. I see what you're doing. But actually putting a little <laughs> bit of grease on your pads is not a, 
bad idea. But the other thing, too, get yourself a can of Brake Clean, and if you buy new rotors, hose them off with a can of Brake Clean because they've got that. They're that, shipped the, with with a little bit of a little bit of uh, like grease on them. Yeah. Um, you know, keeps them from rusting while they're sitting on the shelf, and you want to get that off of there. And I mean, granted, you, you break a couple times, it'll probably come off, but it's still going to build up and all that. Just hose them down with, and that's that's what I told Brett. I'm like, you can try hosing your brakes with Brake Clean, but most likely the reason they're still squeaking, and this is something you got at the shop, right? Someone comes in, hey, I need my brakes done. You do their brakes, they you know they leave, they come back, the brakes are squeaking. So you know you clean them up and uh, you know see you know put it back together, they're still squeaking. And and of course you don't hear it, only the customer hears it. Oh, of and, course, and, yeah. Uh, then they bring them back. You warranty the pads, try that. They drive off, they come back, it's still squeaking and, and you take them for a ride and you're like i don't hear it and they're like how do you not hear that and they just they just i don't know uh i don't know if it's because they're crazy or they just want to keep getting free breaks you Both. know they're back every six weeks but um that's that that is a battle i've fought though where it just they won't stop squeaking and sometimes you get some stuff out of the factory that it just you know there's a piece of metal lodged in there or something like that but that's another thing too is if you've if you've got a piece of metal wedged into the pad that's going to cause some squeaking but um the and real answer is the real answer is don't pad slap. Always do your pads and rotors at the same time. Even if the rotors still look good, you need if you, you need to measure them. You I was about to say the rotors may look just fine to you, but yeah, the they're still clean. Sure, but they're, if, if the thickness, if they are under spec, as soon as those pads wear maybe thirty percent, now the entire thickness of the pads and the rotor is um it's thinner than it should be yeah. it's, it's below spec and your your calipers are working too hard and now you're going to be in for calipers and your rotor your rotor is the plate basically that the pad squeezes onto to slow yeah. the wheel down just so you know so yeah. um all right hey man this has been a great conversation we'll be back next week your dream car danielle trotta from my dream car the show on fox business is going to join us to, uh, and a whole lot more talking about cars i'm ditch i'm bud and we are the motor mouths